Burada uh, olduğum için uh, çok mutluyum. Um, for those of you who don't know Turkish, it's probably a good thing because I probably butchered it. Um, uh, I said, hello, good morning. Uh, my name is Tristan. It's really good to be here. And I asked you if anyone knew Turkish. Um, I had a table up here this morning, and I don't know where it ran off to. I looked for it. And so hopefully maybe someone in the back can grab it. Um, it's really good to, to be here with you this morning. And if I can be completely honest with you and uh, upfront, if, uh, if you'll accept that, accept real emotions, that would be, that'd be great. I am really exhausted. Um, Ashley and I, ever since we hit the ground in Canada, we've been uh, moving nonstop, <clears throat> constantly um, going from place to place and bed to bed, and we are tired. Um, this past weekend, we had the blessing to be at a number of different uh, events, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and now this morning. And so this weekend has been really full, but so encouraging and a huge blessing. But uh, our kids, Henry and uh, little Oliver, are really tired this morning. And so Ashley and I decided that it would be best just for them to stay home and get some rest. Um, the transition for Henry, uh, he's done really good, but at the same time, it's hard. He doesn't know... Um, Canada, he doesn't know the culture, and so we're constantly having to uh, teach him how to act within the Canadian uh, culture now, and things that he can't do here that he can get away with um, overseas. And uh, as, uh, as Lance uh, mentioned, I'm going to say this once, um, and I'm going to try not to say it for the whole message. Um, we live in Turkey, and so no one freak out if you're monitoring this. I did say it intentionally. Um, that's where we are, that's where we're living, and that's where we're serving. And it's been a pleasure and a blessing and challenging and stretching and good. Um, there's moments that we struggle and we don't want to be there, and then there's moments where we're like, all right, God, this makes sense. We are where we're supposed to be. And it's good. Last Sunday, we had an opportunity to share about some of the projects that are happening and things that we are super excited about. And Lance mentioned one, that this whole youth alpha thing. We're trying to start putting a, a youth um, library together with youth programs and eventually writing our own curriculum for that. Um, so that is in the works, and that is really exciting because there's nothing like it right now in the whole country. Another thing that we're doing in, in a couple weeks, Lord willing, if I can get back into the country, uh, Lance and Pastor Caleb and I are, are going to uh, a youth leader training conference, um, and uh, this is super exciting as well, because this is the first time we've, they've ever done anything like this, and, uh, and so if you could be in prayer with that, for that, that would be great, because, you know, it's, uh, it's not illegal, but it's not technically legal, it's weird. It makes zero sense. Um, you got, you, I can't wrap my mind around it, so I can't even explain it to you guys. And so it's just the way it is. And uh, so it's, that's really exciting, everything that's happening. And we got to share these things. And I don't want to downplay them at all, but as we were leaving last Sunday, I felt off, and, and so did Ashley. And uh, Monday morning, we were driving to White Court, and Ashley asked me, she's like, hey, did you feel off yesterday? And I said, I, I did feel a little strange. And, and as we kind of um, thought through it and, and discussed it, we felt like we actually owe you guys an apology. Um, not for anything that we, that we said, it's just we, think, we went um, a little backwards. So we didn't want the first thing for us to say up here is, we need money. 
Uh, and for that, we are sorry. That, that is, that's not who we are. If you know us, um, we strive to cultivate relationships and bring people alongside in, with our family. Uh, the first thing, and what we really wanted to communicate to you, is our overwhelming gratitude uh, for your support, your love, the Christmas cards that are sent from this body alone fill our door. Um, it, is, it is wonderful. The emails that we get, the prayer that we get, even just the handwritten letters, if we have not expressed our thank you, we have read everything, and we are sorry that we haven't been able to communicate that we got it. The packages. You guys have loved our family well. And we were so excited to come back and join you guys again for worship and just to be in your presence um, because we love you guys and we love this body and we are super grateful. And that's what we wanted to communicate. And so in that, we apologize. Um, I apologize on behalf of Ashley. We both agreed that it's something we should have done. I don't want to downplay those projects, but yeah, thank you. Well, you don't have to clap, but <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, we just want to be real with you guys and express that we love you and uh, we, are, we are so grateful for your love as well. And so with that and everything, uh, as Lance said, if you are interested in hearing more about what's going on, I'm not, this isn't going to be a money talk, come talk with me afterwards and I'll gladly and happily with excitement and joy in my heart uh, tell you what we're doing uh, more uh, in Turkey and, and our needs, not just financially but prayer as well. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your grace and your kindness and your love and, and how when we confess our wrongdoings, you forgive us. Thank you for that. As we were orphaned, you called us sons and daughters. Thank you for that. Father, I pray this morning as we just have a conversation that every single person here, including me, would walk out encouraged, challenged, convicted, and blessed. Holy Spirit, may you be uh, working here this morning through us and through my words. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was listening. This is not even in my notes, and, and I apologize if I ramble a little bit. Um, I was listening to a song coming in this morning, and uh, I, was singing it in, I was singing it in the bathroom earlier as well, and I can't get it out of my, my head. And uh, Ashley and I are just starting to get into Turkish uh, worship um, because we're understanding it all now, um, or a good chunk of it anyways. And there's this song that's still going in my head, and, and even as I was praying, and it, and it goes, Kutsa, Kutsa, Rab, Tanra, Muz, which is, holy, holy is our God. And how true is that? We serve a phenomenal God, and he is holy, and he deserves our worship. It has nothing to do with this. It's just in my head, and I felt like I, I, should, I should share it. Um, the term calling is very broad and scary. Uh, I wrestled with it for a number of years. Even as I started into ministry as a youth pastor, I struggled with it because I never felt gifted in the area of um, youth ministry, and I, and I would often hear well, I guess you're not, gift, you're not called to youth ministry. Or I never felt like I was gifted at, as a preacher and a teacher. And I still, you know, I'm, I, I, I can talk. I think I can talk well. But the, I never felt like I was gifted. And so I would hear this again. Well, you're not called to be a pastor or a preacher. And it was the same as we were heading over to this country. I almost let it slip. Um, 
you know, we, would, like, we were struggling. There was lots of doubts, and we'd constantly hear, well, you're, I guess you're just not called to that. And so that in my mind, I was like, then what am I called to? What are we called to? And, and, and I sat down, and, and I wrote uh, this definition out, which is probably generic somewhere in some book, but in my words, I wrote, I am called to God and his church, and he will lead me according to the giftings he has placed within me. And so with this in mind, I sat down and I looked through the Bible and I was like, okay, how, is, this, is this accurate? Biblically, can this be accurate? And I'm looking at stories of, of godly men and women throughout, this, uh, with, throughout Scripture who were led to do wonderful things. And, and so in my mind, this definition is actually quite accurate. Some of you may be thinking, of course that's the definition of calling. Like, that's what I believe, um, which is great. Like I said, this isn't... Um, I would say this is not just, don't copyright Tristan on it. I probably read it somewhere. But in my mind, that's what I was called to. And so if I was called to God and to his church, then, yeah. You know, my giftings as a youth pastor, I may not be the best one, but I did well, I believe, uh, through the grace of God. And, and same with teaching and same with going overseas. As he's just leading us in a direction. And as long as I am putting my focus on God and the call to God, then I am within his will. And that is how I, um, I guess, worked through that in my own mind. But often I think we get wrapped up in this idea and where he's, there, okay, there's two types of people. And maybe there's more. I'm just going to say there's two types of people for this example. There's two types of people one who gets wrapped up in where he's leading us that we forget the one who has called us. For example, look at the story of Jonah. He got so wrapped up in the destination that he forgot who asked him to go there. Right? And on the other hand, there's, a, there's people who are so focused on God and they're moving towards him and they're learning and they're growing and they're just, they're just so on fire, but they hit a point where they know if they just take one more step, God's going to ask them to do something crazy or scary, and they become afraid, and they just become stagnant, and they stay where they are because it's comfortable. And they don't move any further. And I believe if we all think through this, you know, either we can be in one camp or the other or somewhere in the middle, or maybe you've worked, your, worked to the point where you understand this calling to God that, yes, you know what, he, whatever he asks me to do, as scary as it is, I will do it. And there's some individuals like that. And I kind of look at those individuals and I say, I wish I was like that. Um, but there's those two individuals. But if we look at scripture, we see that God calls to himself people who maybe what society would deem as insignificant or if you were like me, would, we would label ourselves as maybe insignificant or irrelevant even. This way of thinking is, is quite prevalent in the country in which I work, and there's tons of young men and women, and I have some really good friends. Uh, actually, the, one of my good friends was, singing that, worship, or was in, singing that worship song that I was listening to this morning. There's these young men and women who uh, are so passionate and on fire for the Lord, but they're so afraid of stepping into a leadership position because they feel they're irrelevant and they have nothing to say. And I think partially at fault of the workers that are within this country, um, not intentionally making that happen, but at the same time, um, we as workers come in and, and oftentimes we have this idea in our head on how things are going to look and we put ourselves up on a pedestal even. 
And I think maybe that's similar within pastors of a church. But I think this train of thought of I'm irrelevant or I have nothing to say crosses cultures. I'm sure we have people sitting in here who maybe would be super gifted in youth ministry or kids ministry or be super gifted in discipleship of young men and women, which is hugely needed in this uh, church culture today, or super gifted in FID, or super gifted in running a Bible study within the workplace, or super gifted in evangelism in the sense of I'm going to go to my neighbor, or go to my coworker, or maybe some people have this gifting of going overseas, or maybe some people are, are being led into ministry full time as a, a vocation here within a church. But because of this train of thought that we have sometimes, is that I have nothing to give, or I'm irrelevant, or I'm not called, um, we stay where we are. Because oftentimes we teach calling as a destination and a vocation, and that scares people. I've met a number of people even within this body that are like, you would be a great worker overseas, or you would be a phenomenal pastor. Your giftings lie in this. And, you know, I feel like that's where the Lord should, uh, is, is, is saying you should, is, or is leading you. And the response is, oh, I'm not gifted. Even if I just said they were gifted, I'm not gifted because of this rhetoric of, of uh, um, this idea, if, if you don't feel like you're gifted, you obviously aren't called. There are individuals, uh, if, we look, if we look through the Bible, we see how... Um, People with no qualifications are led to areas they have no experience in, yet God honored and blessed them through it. Amos was a simple shepherd who brought God's word to his people. David, a shepherd's boy who defeated a giant and later became king, also a great musician. Moses, a man with a speech problem, used to be as, uh, used, used as God's voice. Rahab was a prostitute. Matthew was a tax collector. Saul hunted down Christians, and the list goes on and on. People who were led... To an area they had no giftings or qualifications in, if we look at it. Which leads us to our passage today. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, if you're good Christians, I'm watching. Um, it'll be on the screen as well, or open your phones, whatever you do. If you haven't memorized, you're holier than me. And so this is great. Uh, open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, this is a um, story that most of us will know if you don't. Um, just ask your neighbor and they'll explain it to you. This is the call of Abram. If you don't know who Abram is, um, you might have heard of the name Abraham. Um, so Abram was Abraham before God changed his name to Abraham, if that makes any, it doesn't make sense in my head how I just said it. So um, hopefully it makes sense to you. Um, and I'm just going to start in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I always loved just the first part, just the call. And I, I don't know if it's because I'm a worker, and, I, and I'm re recently just going through this idea of call, but just the, I, the first thing, the Lord has said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I'll show you. He didn't give any other directions. Just leave. And it just blows my mind how a man could do that. And we're going to get back to this passage, but I have a story that I want to share. Uh, 
um, I want to share first. I've got this friend, we're going to call him M for security purposes, and uh, he's been a believer for uh, close to three years, I believe. It was, it'll be three years at Christmas, I think, or four years at Christmas. I think it's three years at Christmas. It doesn't matter. He's a new believer, and uh, I met him the first month uh, we landed in country, and he's been one of my closest and best friends since. Um, when M became a believer, something inside of him changed. And you're thinking, well, of course, as you become a Christian, you know, you're changed. Um, you know, your heart, is, heart of stones removed and a heart of flesh is, is put in place. You are right. But there's just something different about him that I've never experienced um, in my years of ministry here in Canada. Um, and that's not to downplay what's going on uh, here. Um, but when I met him, just the way he carried himself and the way he, he talked about God and the way he, he knew scripture and the way he prayed and everything about him just spoke, you've been a believer for multiple years. That's what I thought. And so when I found out when I met him, he was only a believer for a year, I was, I was just amazed at his maturity. Now, when M became a believer, um, yeah, when he became a believer, he felt instantly called to do something about it led to do something about it. He received this huge blessing, and he wanted to express it to other people, and so he did what, um, what he knows best, and he's a gifted with English. And so he became an English teacher and started an English speaking club, which I've been a part of um, pretty much since we got uh, into the country. And now Henry joins me, and uh, Henry's the life of the party. Uh, but he started this club, and he did it differently than any other English club that was in the city at the time is he would advertise it as, come speak with native English speakers. And he wanted to foster a place that was safe for religious conversation and religious debate. But what, it, what he did that was different is the foreigners that he invited were all workers, all strong Christian believers. So he invited people with good theology and who had a passion and a heart to share to the lost. And every night we have a... The gospel comes up, and it's beautiful. And for anybody who uh, volunteers, just like me, you're challenged. If you have a good conversation with the individuals, you take them out afterwards. Later that week, you go for coffee. And I've met tons of people, and even, again, some of my closest friends come out of that English, uh, English club, um, some of my closest Muslim friends that I have. But M had this passion this desire to share the gospel and to be a blessing to his neighbors. And as well as he risked everything. He risked his reputation. He risked his relationships. He risked even his relationship with his own family. And that's the reality of this living in this, uh, living in this country is that when you become a believer, you're giving up everything. Some are lucky to still have those relationships. Um, but initially, that is the fear that goes through the mind of a local is I'm risking everything. And so when they make that decision, they've already committed everything. They've committed everything. They're prepared to lose everything. And I think that is the difference with, with, uh, with M and why he seemed so mature. It's because he was willing to lose everything. The reason why I'm sharing this story is first to be able to brag about my friend because I'm just amazed at him and, and with him and I praise God for him. Um, but secondly... <clears throat> to say that the Lord's calling is twofold. And I, w I, want, I want to drill this here. When he calls us, 
He calls us out of something and he invites us into something. When he calls us out of sin and invites us into him, into a relationship, into a relationship. And see, when, when M realized this idea, when he, he was called out of his sinful life, out of his, his um, Muslim background, he realized that he was invited into this strong, deep relationship. And that's when he realized, I need to share this good news. I need to take this blessing I received so that others can see what a blessing this is. And so he spread that. And it's a beautiful thing. And if you think of M, uh, if you want to know his real name, come talk to me afterwards and I'll, I'll gladly tell you. Pray for him. He just recently got married uh, to a, a wonderful Christian girl uh, who is also just has this huge desire to follow Christ. And they strive to be a blessing in their neighborhood. They strive to be a blessing in their surroundings. And they strive to do ministry within the country. So if you think of them, pray for them. Often, I meet with M. Um, did I say his name? I hope I didn't. I, I, I meet with M um, quite often, weekly. And uh, when we meet, he often starts a conversation. Ah, oh, Tristan, I was able to share the gospel this week. Or I prayed and you wouldn't believe what happened. And so I'm always excited to see him. And I'm always excited to hear his stories because he is an evangelist through and through. And uh, yeah, he blesses my life. His life alone challenges me to live, live better. I've learned the new meaning on what it means to be a blessing in my surroundings just by watching this young man who's been a believer for three years. Just like M, we are called out of something and being led into new life. Back to Abram. Abram was... Uh, Abram was 75 years old when the Lord nudged him in a direction. And uh, I'm amazed by this story um, because of what God asked of him. I don't know if you've ever broken just verse 1 apart. I could probably spend hours and hours just talking about verse 1 of chapter 12. The Lord has said to Abram, I'm going to read this again, leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. Abram's first call was to serve him. He was called to be with God. Calling, again, this definition in my mind, I'm going to read it. I am called to God and his church, and he will lead me according to the giftings he has placed within me. So with this in mind, looking at the life of Abram, um, when we see that when, when God called him, um, when he called him out of his life, he, the call was to abandon all natural connections, to surrender all social customs and traditions, to leave land, clan, and family. These were the very areas of strong attachment. In this time um, um, and in this area, those were the things that gave you personal security. That gave you personal security. You want, Abram risked everything. He had no idea what a blessing he would be, and we're still experiencing that blessing today through our salvation, through the death, resurrection, and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are still experiencing this blessing. He had no idea what, what was going to come of it, but yet he still obeyed. Why? Because he understood his call 
to God was first. And where God led him, it was just going to be good. Now, I struggle to think that, uh, that he didn't have doubts or questions because he was human. We're all human. I still ask myself questions, and, and maybe they're doubts or they're just good questions to ask, but I still, when, when we're in, in this country, I'm often uh, praying, God, is this truly what you want me to be doing? God, my family is struggling right now. God, release me from this and bring me home. Why do you have me here? I still have these questions. But I've, I've reconciled that these are good questions to ask. Why? Because it always brings me back to who I'm called to. It always brings me back to, and, and it, it causes me to remember how good God is. How good God is. When we read stories like Abram, and in my opinion, and please know I'm not perfect, and it's just my opinion, uh, we often read stories, or I often read stories like Abram's. Um, we can think of the disciples, think of um, uh, uh, Saul, who later became Paul. We can think of Philip. We think of these individuals who just simply obeyed without question, just picked up everything and went. And in my mind, when I read these stories, I think that's just how it's supposed to be. No question. And then I feel convicted when I question. Ashley had this picture uh, before we went to Turkey. She had this, oh, I said it. That's all right. God is good. Before we went to this place that is opposite of chicken, um, before we went there, she had this picture in her, uh, in her head. And because and, uh, she was struggling too. She was asking the same questions that I was asking. Is this really... Um, where, where we're supposed to go. And we had Henry, things just became harder. It was harder to leave. Um, and she had this picture in her head, and it was this man walking down a road, dragging a stubborn mule. The mule was just putting his foot, feet in the ground and just wouldn't budge. And on the other hand, she sees, walking down the same road, uh, a man walking down this road, hand in hand with his daughter. And, uh, sorry, I'm getting a little bit getting a little emotional telling the story because it's beautiful, but walking hand in hand with his daughter and just there was complete trust. And she was telling me this story and then she looked at me and she said, she said, Tristan, I am that mule, but I so desperately want to be that little girl. And I think all too often that is true even in our own lives. We, we, we see that we are fighting this direction the Lord is taking us, but we want to be obedient and so we feel convicted or we don't even recognize that we're that stubborn mule. And, and maybe you need to sit down and pray and say, God, am I that mule or, or am I that child that's walking hand in hand with you? But it's a beautiful picture because I believe that Ashley was in the right mind frame at the time um, to recognize and to ask that question, God, do I trust you? Do I trust you? I want, to be this, I want to be this child that's walking with her father, just comfort, uh, comforted with the fact that I'm in his presence. I know I'm safe. I know everything's going to be okay. And I know you're taking me in a good direction. Abram, I believe, had this idea. He recognized his call to God and to serve him. And he obeyed. 
I don't think it was easy to leave your reputation behind. I don't think that was easy for Abram, but he did it. He did it. I love the story of, of, of Philip um, in Acts 8. And uh, before we get to the, the story of Philip and the Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch, uh, the Bible talks about how he was doing well and thriving in his ministry, and he was well-liked. And we get into the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and all of a sudden Philip is told this verse. I love it. Go south to the desert road. That's it. That's the only instruction he was given. And he went. And as he was walking, he saw this uh, chariot up ahead, and, and he was told to go to the chariot. And as he was approaching the chariot, he heard someone reading out of the book of Isaiah. And Philip had this opportunity to share with this Ethiopian eunuch what the meaning of the passage was. And that Ethiopian eunuch was later baptized. See, if Philip didn't obey, he would have never been able to experience the blessings of being God's hand in that situation. He would never have been able to experience what it was like to, to spread that blessing of God to the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and likewise with Abraham, he probably had no idea how we would still be experiencing this blessing today. And so with that in mind, when God calls us or asks us to do something crazy, we may not see the full picture. We may be in a hard time at the moment, but we have no idea how God is going to work that out for good. And I believe 10 times out of 10, when he leads you, it will end in good. You may not see the outcome right away. You might not even see it at all. But he will work it out for good. And his people will be blessed through it. His people will be blessed uh, through it. When Ashley and I look back at our time in this country, um, we, we were sitting the other day, and we're just writing out, or we're, talk, we're, we're saying all of uh, our relationships that we've had or made or had this opportunity to um, over these last couple of years, and just realizing how blessed we are to be able to serve him in this capacity, how blessed we are, even though we sacrificed and left everything, how blessed we are to be within his will. Um, it wasn't until recently I realized um, how many individuals I've had an opportunity to share the gospel with. Um, and it was out of frustration even, which if you want to hear the story, I'll, I will tell I don't have time today. Um, but God is good. And you may not know how you're being a blessing to those around you, but you are if you are within his will. Ash and I often pray this uh, prayer is, Lord, today may you put people in our paths for us to talk to, encourage. And we started praying it um, that we have an opportunity to bless. How can we be a blessing today? Some of you guys may be sitting here and God is trying to nudge you in a direction where um, maybe you need to start talking with your coworkers. Maybe you've, you felt this nudge to share something with your neighbors. Maybe some of you have immigrant neighbors that you're just like, I don't know how to talk with them, but the, I'm just feeling like I need to say something or just even invite them to church I would encourage you through that fear to do it, to step out in faith. Something that has become a really good practice uh, and something that is well-received here in this culture, but also overseas, is just this simple thing. It may be weird. Um, is just, can I pray for you today? That's it. Can I pray for you? They don't have to share anything, but just having this opportunity and even just asking them. You have no idea how that's going to bless that individual. You may realize they're going to say, like, ah, oh, you know what? My, my mom's struggling. 
or I'm struggling, my marriage is struggling. You have no idea how God is going to work through that. And just the simple, can I pray for you, can go a long way. You might get shut down, and that's okay. You know what? They're going to remember that time you asked, someone asked them if they could pray for them. And one day down the road, when there's a hard time, they're going to appreciate that. You may get shut down. But what if you're able to bless someone's life just by asking that question and you have an opportunity to pray for someone? What if? What if God is calling you to do something difficult? Are you struggling just to take that extra step because you know God wants to do something in your life to change it? I would encourage you to take that step and just see what happens. God is good. We serve a wonderful Father. We can rest in our assurance of salvation. We can rest in that. Because one day, we are going to be face to face with our Heavenly Father, who desperately loves us, and we get to rejoice with him. And that is worth sharing, isn't it? That is worth sharing. 